the championship season is over and what a season it was. But the best is yet to come. It's the playoffs. Who will make it to the Premier League? And who will be left heartbroken at Wembley? Stay across it all with the second tier. We're bringing you episodes after every leg. And in between, we're revisiting the greatest moments in playoff history. It's real conversation with two real championship obsessives. So you can be in the know about everything happening in the playoffs. And share all your new knowledge in the pub with your mates. So come join us. We're your one-stop shop for the playoffs. Search second tier in your podcast app. And hit subscribe. Everybody and welcome back to the P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy live from Amsterdam. Now we're not we weren't supposed to be here, uh, but we are. We're stuck because of some very big problems that happened with the UK air traffic control, which meant we couldn't fly home. Uh, there's worse places to be stuck, Tommy. Whilst we do our driver ratings from Zanville. Indeed, yeah, we've done our best. Setup wise, so hopefully you still enjoy um, the content because look, we're so committed to the content that even being stranded in another country, we don't have any of our baggage. Thankfully, the mics were in my little bag and laptop so we can still record something. So here we are. And also a big shout out to Tommy Hilfiger for hooking us up with some clothes as well. Oh, fresh um, clothes. Which is amazing. beautiful. So big shout out to them. <laughs> right, let's get into the driver ratings. Starting with Logie Bear. Logan mm. Sargent. Oh, wow, that was a big... I mm. mm. wasn't expecting such uh, emotiveness from you. Um, he started 10th, finished DNF, and I would like to say that he was all right this weekend. He, he got into Q3. Williams were looking quite promising, especially in the hands of Alex Albon. But he did also have a couple of crashes. One big crash at the end of Q3, uh, well, actually during Q3, and then another one during the race, which was apparently a hydraulic issue. Mm. I don't know why, for whatever reason, I'm taking this with a pinch of salt. I am um, as well. Because of the fact of he hit the kerb on the inside quite quite hard. Um, yeah. But look, James Vowles, as I say, he speaks gospel. Um but it just feels a bit weird. Um, so have I even said the rating? You haven't no. said the rating, but go for Seven it. Seven out of ten uh, for me for Loki Bear. Uh, I think it was a promising race weekend. The mistake in qualifying, you know, that was him. The race, not so sure, but that's going to cost the team quite a lot of money. Indeed. I've gone for a six out of ten for Loki Bear. Um, yeah, maybe seems a bit harsh, but then he did crash... Um, and I do have to look at that teammate deficit as well. You know, Albon, Logan did a good job to get into Q3, but then, you know, Albon's there qualifying fourth and topping certain sessions and things as well. Obviously, Logan is a rookie, um, but yeah, the crash is a weird one because I felt the same that I watched it back and he's kind of clattered the curb, which probably isn't going to help the issue. And I know he mentioned afterwards... I think he even said on the team radio, I hit the curb and then something broke. So it's kind of like, so yeah, surely that, I'd be surprised if that wasn't related because he absolutely, you know, corner cuts and clatters a curb and then has the issue, which of course, you know, he might have been able to carry on without without that. But I still think it's a, 
a little bit of a mistake. Yeah, I wonder if James Vowles is playing that sort of role of, well, I could throw him to the dogs, or I could just be like, Supportive it was a hydraulic boss, issue. Yeah. You know, two crashes in one weekend is not going to be good uh, for him. But either or, look, it, that's just our opinion. Alex Albon up next, started fourth, finished eighth. I've gone for a nine out of ten for Alex Albon, and I think he's just driving unbelievably well. Had a really good weekend, despite he was actually one of the few, and this is going to be a trend in this, where it's very difficult to grade a lot of drivers because the strategy was such a huge point in both kind of moments where, you know, they had to pit for different tyres, um, and it could completely ruin some driver's race. But Albon chose the wrong and his team chose the wrong thing there, yet he still managed to recover into the points and had a really good drive. So amazing quality, great recovery drive. Um, I think it what might have been if it had just been a dry, normal race. You know, we said maybe a podium, who knows? But yeah, Albon's just driving so, so well, and it's a deserved nine for me. I've also gone for a nine out of 10, so no surprises there either because of the fact of coming back from, from so far behind he stayed on the softs he was on the softs i think for 45 laps um full full well being sort of called the tire whisperer uh and taking away that crown from sergio perez it seems but yeah alex was was incredibly impressive this weekend and i feel like some of our ratings have to kind of give benefit of the doubt to some of the drivers for the the strategy calls that were made because of the fact it was a roll of the dice in a lot of ways um, some got it right, some got it very wrong, but the drivers that perhaps got it wrong but still managed to push their way through deserve a, a decent grade. So Alex, 9 out of 10 for him. Well done. Liam Lawson now started 19th, finished 13th. I'm going to give Liam Lawson a 9 out of 10. I think it was incredibly impressive what he managed to do. Uh, I, he would have been forgiven by almost everybody, I think, if he had crashed out of that race at some point. Uh, it was a baptism of fire uh, for, for Liam coming into that into that team, into Formula One with only one practice session and then straight into qualifying and then straight uh, into one of the most chaotic races you could ever have imagined for a debutant. So uh, to finish 13th in the end, you know, three places off the points, that could have easily happened in that kind of race. Um, he should be very proud of, of, of what he's done. Yeah, I've gone for a 9 out of 10 as well. I think you've said it all really. Like I think in the qualifying podcast we did, I had many questions of like, what can we expect? And you just thought, you know, he's going to finish last, but you wouldn't blame him. And somehow, he's not finished last. He's not spun off in those absolutely crazy conditions. You know, top drivers made mistakes in that in that race. And you couldn't have asked for an any more difficult debut, like you mentioned. So, uh, really good. I think, you know, I'd have reserved a 10 out of 10 if he'd managed to get a point, which would have been unbelievable. But it's still a, a brilliant drive. And... Yeah, maybe if he uh, keeps performing well, could cause AlphaTauri a few headaches. We shall see. Uh, moving to his teammate Yuki Tsunoda now, started 17th, finished 16th. Hmm. Yuki Tsunoda's a difficult driver to rate, I think. I've gone for a 7 out of 10, which maybe seems quite high when he finished 16th. Um, didn't start great either, but he was running right up the front. Um, had a, you know good strategy that they pitted early took that gamble and it paid off 
And then Yuki was actually running in a really good position at the end. I think he was as high as fourth at one point, thinking, you know, he's, he's near the podium here. And then it's just that Alpha Tauri thing of, and it seems to happen a lot with Yuki, where he's having a brilliant result. And then the strategy and the timing of, you know, what tyres he's on and stuff just doesn't seem to work. And he just falls off a cliff and disappears. Uh, and that's exactly what, what happened. I think he was begging for new tyres from the sound of it at some points as well. And yeah, got it wrong with him. Uh, this is probably the highest grade anyone's ever received for a 16th place, but I've gone for an 8 out of 10 for Yuki Tsunoda um, because he was defending like a lion when he was up there uh, right at the front um, fighting with, the, I think, the Mercedes. And, and yeah, he was, he was driving incredibly well and he was let down by his team in a lot of ways. Alpha Tauri, you know, they seem to get away reasonably scot-free with all of their blunders that they seem to make in their strategy department. Um, so I don't think Yuki's really to blame. You know, he got a penalty as well for the, the collision with Russell, which I know a lot of you feel that, that, that Yuki was reasonably hard done by, as does Yuki himself. He just says he's so prone to penalties and he doesn't really understand why. Um, but no, I think he was driving incredibly well when he was just really unfortunate to, to not get a result. And I think he really did deserve at least some points. So instead, you get a high rating in the driver ratings. So well done, Yuki. You can do, don't, you spend those eight and seven out of tens wisely. <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg now started 14th, finished 12th. Oh, it's, it's just Haas. Haas give me a headache because yeah. I don't know what they're doing. I've gone for a seven out of ten for Nico um, because it was a, wasn't the right result. Again, he, he beat his teammate despite Kevin Magnussen running in fifth, I think it was at one point. Um, and Nico just proving again that he has got a massive upper hand over, over K-Mag. And that's really the only way I can judge where Haas is supposed to be is, is by his teammate. Um, I know, you know you might sound quite harsh because K-Mag started from the pit lane, but he also got the best strategy at the beginning, which, which thrust him all the way towards the front. So Nico reasonably, I mean, quiet race considering there was 186 overtakes um but but yeah again it's just it's all right i think it's decent because i think that Haas is probably the worst car on the grid i would say now yeah uh i gone for a six out of ten for hulkenberg which yeah it's like a solid maybe expected a little more in a race that is his kind of conditions um that maybe he might have found himself up where but oh it's just so difficult because the Haas is awful <laughs> it's just such a rubbish car that is not doing well on its tires and um yeah uh, not not great for Haas at the moment we now go to kevin magnuson who started from the pit lane and finished 14th yeah gone for a four out of ten um for kevin magnuson you know he's got his new contract but then he binned it in FP3, which actually meant that they had to run old spec parts on um, the car because they'd just changed them and K-Mag wrote them off, which is not not a great start when you've just signed a new contract. And then he was one of the drivers that made the call because he started from the pits um, and then made the call on the second lap that I might as well go for it here because I'm dead last. Worked really well, but then just fell back again. So... Yeah, just another kind of unusual race for Haas where you just think, what what can they do? But I, I don't think Magnussen's having a, 
a very good season at all, to be honest, even despite his car problems. Mm, yeah, no, I, I've gone for a five out of ten for K Mag, um, straight down the middle. I think you know he should be reasonably commended for for being one of those to to roll the dice and it and it working. Although, as you say, it was it was that or or stick it out and and pray the other way. But so that worked and and he was up there fighting, but he just didn't have the pace. I think Hass in general don't have the pace, but K Mag is is slower than Nico at the moment, um, and. It's yeah. It's again just boding the question around Haas and how much longer are they going to be in the sport if they continue on this trend of having, as I say, I think the worst car on the grid at the moment. Um, and the driver pairing, yeah, with K Mag, he just doesn't deserve his his seat next year at the moment for me. Uh, even though he's got a contract, I mm. I find it very strange. And perhaps that's that's sort of testament to the driver market right now that the Haas don't feel like they can go anywhere else or feel like the team needs a a different kind of driver or a young talent. Uh, as we've spoken about before, you know, they want the more experienced delivering on on days like this, but they haven't really done that at all. Um, but yeah, I think they have to be given a good car first uh, in order for that to happen. Lance Stroll now started 11th, finished 11th. I've gone for a four out of 10 for Lance. Um, Fernando Alonso is making a mockery of this man this year. Uh, completely and utterly trouncing him uh, to not score points in, again, conditions that Lance Stroll from a few years ago you would think is going to be right in there, a bit of a wet weather specialist, pole at Turkey, all those stuff that gets thrown around. He just doesn't do that anymore. No. Like He just doesn't deliver in dry races or crazy condition races now. So what is he doing? Where is he delivering? Nowhere. Alonso's up in second, fighting Max for the win at the end, and Lance can't even get a singular point, uh, especially when a few top runners as well are out of the of, out of the running. Russell, I say Leclerc, I mean, we'll get onto that. Um, yeah, just, it's just Lance. Like You can't even say his seat's under threat. So the end. Yeah, uh, gone for a three out of ten for Lance. I think you've covered it pretty well that, you know, this should be a race that he's good at. And the more wet to dry races or wet weather races that we have and Lance still isn't delivering, I feel like he's just losing that tag now of where you think, oh, well, if it's, you know, we, we get to see what Stroll's actually all about when it's wet. But I don't feel like that has happened since probably what feels like Turkey <laughs> when he got, got it on pole. So, yeah, Um you know, when your teammate, like you say, is running so well, and we all know what I think of his teammate, but even still, like, he should be there or thereabouts. Let's talk about his teammate now. Fernando Alonso started fifth, finished second. Now, Tommy, don't go into too much detail because the <laughs> laptop is is on your lap and it might raise into camera shot if you talk about him too much, <laughs> but go on. Yeah, I try not to fanboy too hard this this one, but it's difficult because 10 out of 10... I think it's one of the drives of the year, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, he's qualified that car in fifth when I don't, I don't, you know, they had updates and stuff, but I think Aston Martin have been struggling recently. And um, we've seen that in the hands of Stroll. Um, they're not what felt like the second best team like they were at the start of the year. It doesn't feel like they are there anymore. But wet to dry conditions this year, even, even last year when, when Alonso was driving for the Alpine, and put it on the front row in Canada. Other than Max, Alonso's the only one that can take it to, to Max in those conditions and seems to like raise his level even more. His move at turn three was just one of those moves where you're like, 
how is a 42 year old schooling all the other drivers when they're you know do you know what i mean like he's thinking of mm -hmm. these things and I think well, it's experience, isn't it? It's experience, and he's he's using his head as well as his great, you know, driving skills as well. So, yeah, just absolute masterful drive from Alonso, just so good, and showing why like he still got it, and still, um, you know, in my opinion, one of the best of all time. And I will say that every proudly. single podcast. <laughs> uh, I've also gone for a 10 out of 10 for Fernando. No other grade is deserving uh, for this man. Um, lap one was incredibly impressive. Uh, going around the outside, I think it was, of Albon into turn two and then straight up the inside of George uh, into turn three uh, to, to get up into the podium and then passing Lando in crazy wet conditions. It was just showing that this man has a feel for the car uh, that not many other drivers do. Um, and then his pace at the end was was miraculous as well. Uh, he was driving. You could tell he was like, right, this is the line that Max is driving at the end. I'm going to drive an entirely different line and hope to God it's a bit quicker in certain points. Because that was, that was again, if he just follows them round, if he followed the drivers round turn three like everyone else was doing, he wouldn't have made that dive bomb work because it was slower but he could slot his way, his car in front of, um, I think it was Russell, wasn't it, at the time? Yeah, yeah. And that's the position game. That, that's the kind of race craft that Fernando Alonso has that, as I say, not many other drivers do. Um, so that was really, really impressive from him. Um, and, yeah, I think that was probably drive of the day. And I did say Pierre Gasly in a tweet. And I think, it's, I think Pierre's very much up there. But after re-watching what Fernando Alonso did in that race... Um, I don't think there was a better driver out there uh, for the Dutch Grand Prix. Valtteri Bottas now started 18th, finished 15th. Oh, Bottas. Four out of ten. Uh, he had the, the worse of strategy. Obviously, Joe gained a massive amount of time and was in P2. Bottas didn't get that uh, that treatment. Um, and I'm just I'm just bored of Bottas being bad. BBB, really. Uh, he was terrible in qualifying. Um, he was pretty, yeah, he was basically last because Liam Lawson was the only driver that qualified slower than him. Um, and it's just sad to see. I just, I, it's, it's, if I feel like a, a broken record, really, about Valtteri, but then every single race he doesn't do anything more special than, than the one that's just gone. So, yeah, four out of ten. Uh, gone for a five uh, for Bottas, and he only gets that extra grade just from... Um, a good start that I don't think we actually saw on, that's the, true. on the cameras. I don't. I don't think he posted we saw that. that. To be fair, no, that's yeah. fair. That's and it was. Fair. It was a cool. A um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a cool start. Like you know, he came through the field, but changed my grade to five. I've changed it to five. Yeah, because I literally showed you that video as well, and I forgot about it. Uh, and it was a. It was a. You know, it was a cool start, especially because I think I was roasting him. Uh, I want to say Hungary, where he was getting passed by everyone and. It wasn't aggressive enough, whereas in that one, he was making those moves, but had the, the wrong strategy. Um, but again, like Alpha aren't improving, and it concerns me a lot that it's not too far away that they're meant to be this Audi super team, and, you know, where's that come from? So there still seem to be back markers, uh, like the dustbins with Haas, so not great. Sad times. Zhou Guan Yu now started 15th. Finished DNF. I've gone for a four out of ten for Joe because he crashed out the race. Um, 
Otherwise, I think he would have got a pretty good grade because, you know, he gambled uh, at the start, was running second. Of course, there's some good fortune, but then you can argue that, you know, the drivers are the ones there that can just come into the pits and decide that they want to do it. And that's exactly what Joe Guan Yu did. And yeah, it's, it's a shame, actually, because the mediums could have run a long way and he dropped back. It's just sad that the Alpha just don't have that that pace to even challenge anything now because you know you you get thrust up the the field and you think this could be an incredible result and the reality is they're just not quick enough and they just it, there was so much of the race left that they just plummeted down the order and then the reason it's not like a two or a three for, for crashing is it was absolutely apocalyptic rainstorm and you know you saw I think I think his teammate Bottas went off obviously avoided the wall Hamilton ran a bit wide, Perez spun off as well. So it's those crazy conditions, but still have to downgrade him for a mistake. Yeah, he's the one that ended up in the wall at the end yeah. of the day. Uh, I've gone for a four out of ten as well for, for Joe. Um, the mediums wasn't the right call at all um, because it just didn't have the pace in those conditions in the slightly slippery um, yeah, conditions that were, that were uh, at the track and you, know, you needed that those softer... Um, easier to warm up tyres, I think. It just it's as simple as that, really. Um, everyone else was on softs. Obviously, Russell went onto the hards and went really, really long. But everyone else seemed that uh, that those soft tyres was the were the pre uh, preferential um, compound. So, yeah, that was a shame for him. Um, but as you say, you know that car doesn't have an inherent pace, so um, it was always going to be difficult. And then crashing, yeah, it it, it would have been. Uh, a bit of a sting, I think, for the Alfa Romeo team uh, to not come away with any points there when, when he was running in a very comfortable second at the start. Uh, Oscar Piastri now started eighth, finished ninth. I'm going to go with a six out of ten uh, for Oscar. Um, he made some good moves. He made a great move into Valtteri Bottas that Crofty decided to commentate as if it was uh, the last lap of Abu Dhabi 2021. Um, but uh, I... I can't really give any higher because Piastri was, there were some mistakes in him this weekend. And also, it's just a bit of a missed opportunity, I think, for, for both Oscar and the McLaren team. You know, Because there is, on one side, this element of understanding of, OK, well, we can't grade the drivers too badly if they make the wrong strategy call. But then on the other side, as I continue to talk about this, I'm like, well, the drivers could literally come into the pits and change the strategy like Charles Leclerc did. And then he sat here there for... for 15 seconds whilst the, the team tried to find the, his intermediate tyres. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's a, it's a six for me. I've also gone for a six. Um, he had good pace, but yeah, I think qualifying, actually, when you look at it, eighth when your teammate's on the front row. Um, he had a bad last lap, didn't he? That was when the, the track was ramping up and he just didn't deliver on that. Didn't deliver. And then, yeah, it's, it's what might have been if maybe they'd split the strategy or... He was one of the ones, I think, that just stayed on the dries until it dried and just kind of went so far in that it was just kind of like, well, we've got to accept this now, even though, you know, <laughs> you're losing so much time. So, yeah, it does feel like a what might have been for um, Piastri because McLaren did look like they had a quick car around here, um, but just didn't deliver the, the goods. Certainly didn't. Lando Norris started second, finished seventh. Uh, so I've gone for a 7 out of 10 for Lando. Um, basically just one more than uh, Piastri because he beat him. Similar kind of race really uh, that to, to Piastri where the 
his whole race was ruined by that bad strategy call and it's a what might have been but he came through the field nearly got Hamilton um actually and the more I think about it I'm gonna actually I'm gonna change I'm gonna give him an eight out of ten um because I did think he did a good recovery drive um you mentioned this about the whole strategy thing this is where I struggle to know how much weight to put towards it because I listened to that team radio from Lando and it was painful to listen to that his team's there telling him, you know, get in the, uh, sorry, uh, stay out. You're quicker than the drivers on the inters when he's being passed by all of them and he can see it. So obviously from that side, it's McLaren's fault. But then this is something that we would always mention, uh, particularly someone like Charles Leclerc, that's like, you need to stand up to your team. You need to say, no, absolutely not. I'm coming in. I know the right thing to do. And that's something that um, we saw actually in the race from, you said, Charles. Also, Max Verstappen did it as well, where you're making that right call from your own decision of, I know what's right. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a, it's an eight because of the recovery drive. But I think he would, I think if it was a dry, normal race, he could have got uh, a P2, which is painful for McLaren. All right, you've convinced me. I was going to give a seven, but now I've gone for an eight as well because um, Lando did drive very well back through the field. Um, yeah, that, that team radio was so painful to listen to. Um, he even was like, are you stupid? Like, yeah. He was genuinely like baffled. It, it, it felt like a prank, the fact that yeah. you know, they were like, oh, you're quicker than the intercars, as they were flying past him, and he was 15 seconds a lap slower. Um yeah, it was it was very poor from McLaren. I know a lot of you ask, oh, why didn't you do a you know a team rating? And perhaps we'll do that next year, where we you know, rate the overall strategy ratings and whatnot. Because I know for a fact that McLaren would probably be one of the lowest uh, scores for this weekend because of that. Um, but yeah, Lando still did a a very good job, I'd say, um, to to still score some decent points. Um, and it's just it's a shame because he started on the front row of the grid and it felt like three years ago that he started on the front of the front row of the grid when we actually finished that race. So yeah. um yeah, it was it was still a solid drive from him. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by Tennis Channel Plus. Witness history at the French Open, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May the 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.
Pierre Gasly started 12th, finished 3rd. 10 out of 10. Easy peasy. It's between him and Alonso, I think, for best uh, drive. It was just so, so good from him. He was there throughout. As soon as it, you know that strategy put him into the, into the mix, he, he managed to deliver. It, it, Pierre Gasly does seem like one of those drivers that when the pressure's on, when he gets himself into a, a solid position, he can deliver. Um, so, yeah, he was very, very happy afterwards. His team radio was, was amazing to hear. It literally sounded like he'd won the race and Max had finished third, but it was the other way around. Um, but yeah, he was he was brilliant. He was fighting signs all race long, uh, kept him behind, um, and thankfully for him, do it. and even with the five second penalty as well, uh, he still managed to secure P three, which just uh, shows how how good of a race he had. Yeah, I've gone for a ten out of ten as well. You know, of course, there's a bit of fortune there that he's thrust his way up the field um, with that. That strategy call, but again, like we said, he's made he's made the decision. Your biggest flop, by the way. Exactly. You're welcome, Pierre, for, for that jinx. Um, but look, when he's up the front, like you say, it's amazing. It's it's strange because there's maybe a few drivers in years gone by or whatever that, or you know, you you could get a bit nervous when you're you're leading. But Gasly seems to thrive when he's at the the front and actually gets into those positions. So. Um, really good from Gasly. Yeah. It was one of those things where he got there and you're like, well, he's going to definitely drop back. And he was just staying there. He was fighting. That with... was your biggest flop talking in your head. You're like, well, yeah. he's, he's going to drop back. It, then, then, <laughs> then I'll get the point because then I can be like, oh, well, he dropped away from a podium position. Yeah, but no, he, he drove really well to essentially stay in that front fight, um, which is extremely impressive. And it is absolutely insane to me that even though of course this is the case it's not like a surprising stat but it's like one of those where you actually dissect it and other than Red Bull and Mercedes Alpine are the only team that have got two podium finishes which is absolutely insane when they're not a top team um, and you can argue are probably like the sixth best car this season um, so the fact that those two have actually got a podium is very impressive. Well done Pierre well Gasly. We now go to Esteban Ocon. Started 16th, finished 10th. Hmm. Gone for a 6 out of 10 for Ocon. Qualified extremely poorly. Um, but then he sort of like made his way slowly through the field and kind of did quite a good recovery drive. But then the wet, the wet tyre thing was a very odd choice. They left him out quite late and then I guess he went for another crazy gamble. But like we said in the race review podcast... The wets are so useless now, and if it gets to the point where you're using them, they're just going to red flag the race, that you're never really going to get the rewards for it. So it seemed like a strange call, um, but yeah, we we actually saw him in the, the paddock and he looked a bit um, dejected, which of course, uh, you know, when your teammate is on the podium, and those races must be the ones most where the midfield runners look at, Pierre being on the podium and must think like that should know, have been that me. should have been me like mm. I, I if things had gone especially if it's your teammate better. yeah especially exactly, if it's your teammate exactly, you know so. that it was a possibility there I've also gone for a six out of ten uh, for Esty Bestie um, of course he got a point uh, the wets was a gamble that is very questionable uh, I can see on one hand they go yeah there's going to be a monsoon 
perhaps stick on the wets and then there's a couple of laps of running, everyone aquaplanes and Ocon wins the race. That maybe is what they were thinking. But on the flip side of that, the wets are useless. They're the most useless tyre that's ever been created in Formula One. Like, it just does not work on the car. They are so much slower than the intermediates. Even in those monsoon conditions, there, there wasn't much of a difference in terms of pace. Um, so that was a questionable decision from Alpine. Um, I guess it was the right one if we hadn't have had a red flag, which was obviously always going to be uh, flown with how bad the conditions were, uh, then Ocon may have got a podium because everyone would have been you know, perhaps you know, getting their oars out. So, yeah, it's a, it's a shame for Ocon, um, but 6 out of 10, I think, is fair, uh, considering he had such a bad quality as well. Because if he'd had a better quality, perhaps uh, he would have been up there. Lewis Hamilton started 13th, finished 6th. I've gone for an 8 out of 10 for Lewis. Might have been a, a 9 had he not had a, a poor quali, but then again, that was down to, to blocking as opposed to um, delivering lap times. But then again, it was constantly changing, constantly evolving, and um, yeah, it's obviously partly him himself to blame for, for not putting in a, a lap at the end. But um, yeah, it was an amazing recovery drive, though, the way in which he came back from last position. I'm surprised he didn't take that into his own hands. That's the part of me where I'm like, I would want to give him more, but that's the kind of race that I think Lewis Hamilton, maybe 75%, if you were to have 10 of those, seven, no, seven, that's seven and a half times, that's not so great. <laughs> now, I, I think the majority of times he would have gone in and, and, and gone onto the intermediates because you go, well, Jesus Christ, look at this last sector. But um, Mercedes obviously decided that wasn't going to be the case. Lewis didn't overrule, uh, over a, overturn it and he, he could have he could have been on the podium he could have won the race he was saying he could have challenged max so imagine if he had taken the lead at the start uh, things could have been very different but um, yeah i've gone for an eight out of ten i've gone for a nine out of ten um yeah it's, it's borderline eight and nine for me um it's a great recovery drive the quali was was bad and then the fact that he's kind of plummeted down the order but I don't whether I believe that he could have challenged Max. I don't know. Um, you know, I think the the pace for that Mercedes and a lot of us thought this even before the race, like we we both did, that they'd be the second best car and could have actually challenged well. Um, I think you know second could have been an option, but to to recover from basically being last and then uh, making some moves. And one thing I actually really liked um, about his drive, which he. I kind of saw that old school Lewis Hamilton where he made some dive bombs and some brave moves around the outside, which I've sort of found and I've maybe been a little critical of him in recent years that he doesn't tend to do that anymore. And we say that it's, you know, a calculated move, but from a pure fan point of view, we like to see those overtakes and stuff. And it was really cool to see Hamilton sort of making those bold moves again and going around the outside of people and, uh, going wheel to wheel, so yeah, it was a good good recovery drive, um, despite what could have been an absolutely awful weekend. I think Mercedes, yeah, uh, really blundered strategy quite a lot that weekend. Lovely stuff. Uh, we now go to George Russell. Started third, finished seventeenth. I have gone for seven out of ten for George Russell. Um, yeah, quite high grade for seventeenth, but. I think he was very unlucky, you know, he's qualified extremely well um, 
And then, yeah, like, like I said earlier, Mercedes did not have the best strategy, but he could have so easily, you know, still got some, some solid points if it wasn't for the contact at the end. I actually realised that I must have gone to the toilet or something during the, the very sketchy moment because I'd only just seen that and Jesus, that was crazy. Um, that, we, you know, when he put a wheel on the grass right in front of Hamilton and that could have been absolutely horrendous if he'd gone off and also taken Lewis out with him. But um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a solid drive that's just like a, a very unlucky result. Yeah, I've gone for a 7 out of 10 for George. Um, had an amazing qualifying, as we say. That that strategy to stay out was um, baffling from, from Mercedes. He, he did actually take the lead with a great move into Turn 1 uh, off Lando Norris. Um, but yeah, staying out was, was not the right call. Uh, then he was getting himself back into it. He went uh, with the hards uh, a massively long time um, and got himself back into contention to uh, to finish, I think, behind Lewis, I think it was at the time, um, and then was battling Norris at the end, obviously, and then had a, a small, tiny bit of contact, which uh, which then cost him cost him those points. So, yeah, considering, again, it was a, a recovery uh, of coming back through the field for, for George and then having that small... It was very much a racing incident. You can't apportion blame to either driver. Um, so it was a shame for George because that would have been, again, Mercedes coming back and securing some reasonably decent points. Uh, so, yeah, 7 out of 10 for George. Carlos Sainz now started 6th, finished 5th. We've gone for a 10 out of 10 for Carlos Sainz. Um, it's the yeah lowest finish 10 out of 10 we've had probably all year. Um, but I was so utterly impressed by how Carlos drove this weekend. That Ferrari was shocking. In every condition, in every practice session, in every session... That Ferrari looked like a dog, but he came out of nowhere and was fighting when those conditions changed. Um, and I think he, he deserves merit and plaudits for that. I, I don't think he could have literally done anything more in that Ferrari this weekend. Um, and so, yeah, scoring decent points, fighting with Gasly a lot, obviously didn't manage to get through. But yeah, I, I'm absolutely baffled that Ferrari scored any points this weekend and, and Carlos to finish fifth is, is, is miraculous. So, yeah full score for me oh i've gone for a nine out of ten but after listening to that um i'm almost tempted by 10 and then i also just remembered that he didn't do fp1 as well um yeah i'm gonna go for a 10 for carlos why not let's go let's um, go what it actually reminded me of and a little p1 exclusive um hello because obviously we we spoke to him and you'll get to see that interview very soon so let Little little tiny spoiler to one of his answers, but he he mentioned that you know you have drives in your career where you're driving a car that can't win, and you have had you know the best drive of your career, but you've got nothing to show for it. And actually, this this drive from Carlos reminds me of those kind of what we've said about Fernando Alonso in the past, where you're like, how has he got that car to fifth? Or, or, you know, he's got the absolute maximum out of that car. And I think this is, may even be Carlos's best, yeah, probably Carlos's best driver the last couple of years. He seemed completely, you know, on top of that, that car, which was horrendous and looked an absolute dog to drive. Uh, and he's got the most out of it with a really solid drive and also props for basically banishing the, the P1 curse because... Um, 
people thought that he'd have an absolute mare if he spoke to Wes, and he's had one of the best drives of his career, even though it's only fifth, which is quite insane to say, but he's just just brilliant, like really, really good drive from Carlos, and I'm, I'm pleased for him because he's had those drives, hasn't he, where he has looked like he's getting quicker and quicker and matching Charles sometimes beating him, and then some like odd mistake, like he'd just be in the pit lane or you'd have a bit of contact or he'd drop back, and you're just waiting for that one race where it all comes together, and I think he's, yeah, we kind of saw that old Carlos in the McLaren days where you were just like, yes, this guy is a, is a top, top driver. So, well done, Carlos. Hell yeah. We now go to Charles Leclerc. Started ninth, finished DNF. Hmm. Yeah, I'm actually in the same room as you now, so it's, uh, it's awkward. But uh, <laughs> going for a four out of ten for Charles. Um, of course, crashing qualities, pushing hard, but it's another mistake creeping into his game. The collision with Piastri can happen, but it's still, you know, it's lap one of a race that you think there's so much of the race still to go. Um, it's not like a slam dunk, like, oh, it's absolutely his fault, but it's just like clumsy contact at the start. You know, he made a good call to come into the pits, even though the, the tyres weren't ready for him. Um, but he has to take some of the, the blame for, for the weekend that, that he's had because he looked genuinely like he was struggling a lot uh, with the car. It's probably the, a, a rare moment where he just looked, didn't look on top of the car at all and looked probably considerably like slower than Carlos, really, for, for the whole weekend. A fair amount slower, yes. Oh, I didn't like that word, considerably. That hit me right in my core. Um, I've gone for a four out of ten as well for Charles. Uh, disappointing weekend, crashed in qualifying. As you say, a clumsy incident which ruined his race. That was it. That was kind of like crashing out into a wall because his car was useless. He was fighting Liam Lawson for 15th and lost the position and got it back. And it was just um, difficult to watch. Um, and yeah, it's just not been his season this year, in my opinion. Obviously, there have been moments where I've celebrated, but they've been very few and far between. Um, and Carlos has, has raised his game. Does Is that playing into Charles's mind somehow, that Carlos has closed the gap and is in fact actually quite similarly paced now, and if anything, a little bit quicker in some races? Uh, I don't know, but that's uh, certainly a question to pose. So, yeah, a weekend to forget, and yeah, another another Charles mistake in quality. Difficult to watch. Sergio Perez now started seventh, finished fourth. I've gone for a six out of ten uh, for Checo. Didn't think I was going to be giving him a six out of ten when he was 14 seconds in the lead mm. at the beginning of the race. Obviously, uh, an amazing call at the start to, to pit and, and go on to the intermediates, which turned out to be the best call um, that we saw. Um, and it all just went wrong after that. How he got caught three to four seconds a lap at the beginning of that that initial stint uh, by Max Verstappen is absolutely ludicrous. Some people are like, oh, you know, he was saving tyres. <laughs> Did and you then... see that tweet that, that someone put and said exactly that? What are you saving tyres mm. for? And someone said, what was he saving tyres for? Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what he was doing, uh, really. So... Then he got undercut because, and I, and I don't even feel 
even the slightest bit like oh, we were robbed yeah. because Max was going to clear him one way or another and he's on for a record and all that sort of stuff. You know, the championship's done. We don't even need to get... No, we started, I don't even think Checo was really going to kick off because uh, he shouldn't have been even in, in the position to be undercut when he's 14 seconds clear. So, uh, yeah, it's... And then, obviously, again, he, he came into the pits, aquaplaned, hit the ball, sped in the pit lane by 0.8 of a kilometre of an hour, uh, which is obviously a little bit unlucky. Um, but, yeah, he doesn't deserve any more than a six, unfortunately. I've also gone for a six out of ten. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because there's been I've I've seen a lot of people mention that oh when's Perez going to get get some luck but you know he had that good fortune what where more he was do you need yeah he was so far clear and and me and you were obviously watching the race together in person and the first thing we said was that's Checo won the race and then you started seeing how much quicker Max was and it was like oh okay maybe not but every time the interval updated half a second came off I was like. This updates every sort of five seconds. Yeah, like, and I think it was what? lap seven, yeah, where Max gained four and a half seconds in one lap whilst passing show, which is insane. Must have taken a different route. Has to have taken a different route. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Checo, you know, he had he got that moment where he was back in front of Max, which we, we saw, you know, he has had a couple of victories this year where Baku, for example, he got got the luck of the the safety car, ended up ahead of Max and could actually hold him off. Um and thought, you know, this is his chance now. He could he could win this race and it just didn't happen. And then you think, well, you know, you're in the the best car on the grid. Surely now it's a an easy P2 and then spins off uh that cost him the place to Alonso, then obviously comes into the pits, crashes into the wall again to um, speed in the pit lane which was lucky is... that the red flag was flown as well because that allowed the team to repair the car exactly so he could have had a damaged car and not really got anything from it so um, yeah it's a tough it's a tough break for him but you know it's <laughs> you should be finishing second when your teammate is winning all the time speaking of his teammate Max Verstappen started first finished first yeah, it's a 10 out of 10 again. I don't think Max has had anything but 10 out of 10s for ages. But this just shows that all the talk of like, oh, he's got the best car on the grid, which is of course true. Like, there's no denying it. You can't, no one can say that the Red Bull isn't the best car. It's a very dominant car. I don't think it's in, incredibly more dominant than some dominant cars that we've seen before because, you know, Checo's not finishing second every race. But even in a race like that, that you know, Max isn't just winning from from pole really easy, easily. You know, he, the the conditions were crazy. Could have so easily skated off the road like his teammate did, or you know, it threw the start where he has to come into the pits in a very tight pit lane, and his teammate is already pitted first, taking the gamble, and has got a fourteen second lead, and Max is having to overtake other cars like. He's just he's just driving absolutely crazy well and you're just running out of ways to, to praise him really and it's not to take anything away from him, it's just he's just driving so so well. And the Sebastian Vettel record is something I never thought would be matched again. Like it's crazy to me that you can win nine races in a row and you wouldn't put it past Mark Max for like continuing it. It's it's mad. So yeah, it's ten out of ten. I've also gone for a 10 out of 10. 
And this race, for me, was a race where I don't think anybody can even... It doesn't matter what camp you're in, Team LH, wherever. I don't... You cannot say that Max Verstappen is not an unbelievable driver. The way that he adapted to those conditions, yes, in the best car... He he dominates the sport better than anyone I've I've ever seen, I would say. The way in which he has won nine in a row and looks untouchable uh, is incredible to watch. Um, as much as, of course, we want close racing. And this was a race that showed that, OK, Max won, but we had an exciting Grand Prix. We had Fernando Alonso potentially sniffing around at the end there after the red flag. But the way in which Max drove that race was 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 amazing of course you know he didn't call that an immediate inter gamble but you're never going to as first place because if he inter gambled and then it dried up he loses all those spots so you can see why they went an extra lap with max um how quickly he caught perez was quite frankly a joke um and then just seemed completely and utterly the whole race was under control uh from him so yeah he's 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 one of the all-time greats i'm i'm saying it straight up he is I still wait to see when we get into a new era of car, how he then adapts to that as well. But I, I don't see anything stopping him. If he gets given a, a world championship winning car, he will deliver. Um, he's ice cold. He's not even phased by anything. If anything, I think the emotion of winning that first world championship has now kind of settled any sort of, not concerns, but any kind of, I don't know, when, you, when you're fighting for something, you get that little bit of jitters and perhaps maybe it'll, it'll affect your performance. Now he is just win, 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 doesn't matter, win, you know, he's a robot. And he's um, done it at a track where the whole country is there for him. Mm. Like, the king and queen are there. Like, the they've got, like, a special um, national anthem and all, all this kind of stuff. Like, the pressure for him to deliver that race when the expectation is so huge on him. And it, and it is. It's just like, okay, cool. Just gets out there and does it. Yeah, it's and it's funny what you know. You see comparisons all the time, and and fan bases talking about it on Twitter and and arguing, um, undoubtedly. Um, Lewis Hamilton's not had nine wins in a row, and I wouldn't say that Perez is any worse than Bottas when you actually look at how they came into that Mercedes or Red Bull seat. Uh, and I think that that's no disservice or disrespect towards Hamilton. He's an amazing driver, and he's one of he is statistically the greatest of all time. But the fact Max has, has surpassed that, equaled a record, as you say, by Vettel, and looks like he will take it in a week's time, is something that has to be commended. Because yeah. we've had periods of dominance in Formula One since it started in the 50s. No driver has gone past nine wins in a row ever. Um, yeah, you think that, like... And didn't he match another record as well, Shumi's? Was it pole to win 12 or something? I can't remember what it was. Um, I saw. I read something. Oh, okay. He'd also matched one of Schumer's records, and he'd also matched the most pit stops with a win. And, uh, and uh, he's just taken every record at the moment. He is, and yeah, like he's got uh, a dominant car that, like you say, we've seen it in the past. We've seen we've seen Formula One cars in the past, like in like the sixties and seventies, that were like four or five seconds clear of the field, like, and yet they haven't got nine wins in a row. Like to be on that level. And you look back at those races and you go, one of them, there was an apocalyptic rainstorm that happened on lap one and his teammate was miles in the lead. Then he's had a one where his, he's had a, a penalty which has dropped him, dropped him back. And you know, whatever it throws at him, he's just like, okay, cool. 
And yeah, there, there so has been moments during qualifying, during the race, where it's not just been bone dry nine races. Yeah. It's been anything but, especially on a Saturday. And yeah, I, I just, because this we are witnessing history, it deserves its own piece and, and place in our content because it is... Uh, you know, an amazing achievement as much as we, you know, I, I would love to see in someone else win and, and you are maybe after next week also open <laughs> to, to that as well. So, so yeah, well done Max Verstappen. That is uh, the, the, the most 10 out of 10 race I think uh, we, we've seen from him in, in a long time, just purely because that was a race that he could he have lost, for, yeah. but didn't. And that is almost it. We need to now crown our P1. That is difficult considering I've just hyped the life out of Max Verstappen <laughs> and how he drove that yeah. race. Um, no, we're still going to go with Fernando Alonso for me um, purely because he drove uh, an, an unbelievable race. The, the moves he made on lap one were, were, were race-defining for him, I would say, in, in terms of uh, yeah, mounting a charge for that P2. Um, of course, you know, Max deserves a little side trophy if, if, he, if, there, if there was one. But... Um, Fernando for me. Fernando for me as well. Um, yeah, it's it's unbelievable drive uh, in a car that probably shouldn't be where it is. And what he's doing, you know, so late into his career when he's had a break from Formula One and come back is nothing short of remarkable. And yeah, the, those conditions, they say, is like the, the great leveller, I guess, and and shows where the, the best drivers come out. And Fernando absolutely does that in those conditions and probably the the best race he's done this year and maybe since his comeback and that is it thank you everybody for tuning in to this amsterdam hotel f1 driver ratings edition for the dutch grand prix um tommy what are your final thoughts my final thoughts are of course we've we've been out here um we were watching the race you know we all say it all the time that it's, it's hard to consume everything and what a what a race to try and consume where you're not watching it at home on TV with all the commentary and and so we've done our we've done our best to absorb everything whilst also all this chaos so I do apologize if, if we missed something on lap 12 where someone did something very miraculous that wasn't shown yeah so I apologize in advance to Logan Sargent that we find out that he would have won the race if he hadn't have hit that curve or something. I apologise. You always make it back to Logie Bear somehow, don't always. you? Always. Disgraceful. <laughs> right, that is it. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. And we'll see you very soon for another piece of content. Goodbye. Bye. P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 